Today's Better Call Saul Season 3 Feedback Show is sponsored by TrueCar. You know, there's something about TrueCar that a lot of people might not know. Using TrueCar can help you buy a used car. In fact, there's over 700,000 pre-owned vehicles available from TrueCar certified dealers nationwide. Whether you're looking to buy new or used, you can get upfront pricing information that empowers, discounts off the list price for used cars, and a better buying experience through the TrueCar certified dealer network. You'll see what other people are paying for the car that you want and you'll know what a fair price is and you can feel confident you don't have to worry about any of these dealers doing some sort of slipping jimmy or marco uh, type numbers on you no you'll have the confidence you'll have the true car certified dealer working with you and when you connect with them you can enjoy a quick and easy car buying experience using true car you'll find the new or used car that you want and true car users save an average of over $3,000 off MSRP. So when you're ready to buy that new or used car, visit TrueCar to enjoy a more confident car buying experience. Some features not available in all states. Season three is still over, but we're just getting started here on our Better Call Saul feedback show. And now here are the two guys who have gotten renewed for another podcast season. I'm Rob Sestrino here with Antonio Mazzaro. Antonio, how are you? Rob, how's it going? I miss uh, I miss our, our Saul chats. I miss my Saul Bay, but I'm glad we're renewed. Uh, we for are next back. Season. Yes, we're back. This is great. Uh, yes. Did you uh, did you get the money from AMC yet? Not yet, not oh, yet, yeah, but I either. hear it's uh, the check is in the mail. As oh, I say. that's what they always say. Yeah, I think uh, I think it's coming from the Fear the Walking Dead universe. So I think it may take some time. I hear there are some infrastructure issues in play. Is that what's going on? That's what uh, I heard. So yeah. <laughs> we are alluding to the fact that Better Call Saul has been renewed for a fourth season at AMC. We did not know if that was going to be a thing at the time of our last podcast that we did after the finale last Monday night, but now here we are, and we do know that the show is coming back. So, Antonio, do we have any word on why the delayed word on the renewal? It seemed like maybe the only real uh, the only real reasoning that was provided is that there were executive shakeups at AMC and I believe Sony uh, and people that are involved in the production and the putting together of this show uh, that are the real higher ups. The suits, Rob, uh, the suits are shuffling the around. The man, the man is shuffling around, uh, and the women, the man, and the women. Yeah, but let's let's be real about the glass ceilings. It's probably mm-hmm. more men than women, and uh, and yeah, there was some shuffling of deck chairs there uh, in some of the key players' roles in this show. So it sounded like that that was really the reason for the delay. But that was never really provided throughout when we were talking about this. Like it, it, it came up really at the end of this after it was renewed. So if that's the reason, it's being provided retroactively. And this was a one season renewal only. We had speculated a lot about maybe we'd be getting the traditional, in the sense of Breaking Bad, a multi-season renewal with an end date. Uh, but that is not the case for this Better Call Saul renewal. So I'm sure we'll get into that uh, briefly here on this feedback show. What this one-season removal renewal without an end date might mean for some of these stories. But that's where we're at. We got a, a season four confirmed. Ten episodes, Rob. Ten episodes, season four. Mm-hmm. So uh, we're, we're, we're in uh, good space with uh, Better Call Saul. Doesn't seem like much has changed. Yeah. Now, is there a possibility that there ends up being a longer run for Better Call Saul than Breaking Bad? Is that on the table? 
It certainly seems like it. It certainly seems like it. it and I don't know to what degree that's good or bad. Uh, Breaking Bad was this uh, runaway good or train. Breaking Bad. Good or Breaking Bad. Breakaway, Breaking Bad was this runaway train and not a runaway train robbery for poor Drew Sharp, as we've talked about. And it was careening in such a way it didn't seem like the story could just sustain uh, any more than they really packed in. Uh, with Better Call Saul, we have fits and starts. And we've talked about uh, to the, the, the degree to which that might be frustrating for people in the audience with regard to Jimmy especially but with a show like this maybe they don't feel the pendency of getting to uh, the Breaking Bad universe we're still five full years out Rob and probably not in a great position to do a huge time jump at the beginning of next season so we have a lot of ground to cover uh, still on this show and we certainly could especially if we throw Gene into the mix get into beyond the Breaking Bad story so it is very possible we could have a longer run than Breaking Bad. Does that seem right to you, though, that the story of Saul Goodman or the story of Jimmy McGill becoming Saul Goodman is going to take more time to tell than the story of Walter White? Coming Heisenberg. Seem, yeah. Doesn't seem right to me. Uh, but this is the, the realities of modern television in terms of uh, how long they're going to want to continue to make a show that makes them money uh, and it does pretty well in the ratings compared to other cable shows. And if that's the case, like this is a and this is unfortunately something that a lot of shows suffer from that I would love to see them make Better Call Saul forever, but not necessarily in the context of the stories that they're telling. I think they need to find ways to give this show more legs because the way they're st- they're telling the story right now, it's, oh, now he's Saul Goodman. Oh, wait, maybe not. Like, uh, he's not really Saul Goodman yet. He's back to being a good guy. He's back to Jimmy McGill, uh, and we're repiloting that. So I feel like they need to uh, need to bring some of these things to a head. If they're not going to get an end date from AMC, they need to tell their story in a way that finds the end date more naturally. And hopefully we'll see that in season four. I mean, maybe is it possible to end Better Call Saul and tell another story in the Breaking Bad universe? What do you mean by that? Like, uh, do you mean the going into other depths, uh, like like we do Better Call Fring or, uh, right. or uh, Ring Ring Fring? Like, uh, is that what we're going to do? Like, that's a terrible idea for a title. But uh, yeah, I suppose we could do in that. The, I mean, Breaking Bad expanded universe. Like, are there other stories that we can tell? Yeah, I don't think we can do it with the same cast. That's the downside. How old is Mike going to be, Rob, when the next prequel starts? Young Mike. Like, we'll do the Young Mike Chronicles. The Young Mike Chronicles. We'll see Mike oh in boy. high school. Oh. <laughs> oh, that algebra class was a real pain in my behind. Yeah, like I don't know. Uh, what do you I don't mean, know how Young Mike? <laughs> Am I not young enough now? Yeah, I don't know. Uh, what else could we get into? We could get into. We could go. We could go. Uh, young Howard. Uh, we could do the full suits style story of Young Howard starting HHM with a young uh, with a young Chuck younger Chuck McGill. Uh, that could happen. Uh, I don't want to see that, but there are there are possibilities here. But the Gus Fring, I think, story is the one where we want to see more of that. And no offense to Giancarlo Esposito, who looks great, but I don't think you can be shooting the Gus Fring prequel in ten years. Uh, so I think we need to. Start telling that story within the context of Better Call Saul or not tell it at all. Yeah. What about, well, we could come up with other ideas for uh, bad prequels and sequels, but uh, let's not do that. I guess uh, let's start to talk a little bit about season three as we get some closure from this season. And we did get a lot of questions from you guys, BCS at Post Show Recaps. Uh, we got a lot of feedback questions. So I'm looking forward to diving into that the same way I would dive into a 20 piece from Los Poyos Hermanos. <laughs> do they have with 20 a coffee. pieces 
Yeah. That sounds fantastic. Yeah. With some of the extra salsa. Yeah. We, we need to go into that and with a coffee. Yeah. And uh, yeah, that I'm ready to dive in too. Man, I, you just made me hungry. I'm sorry. I got distracted here. I would Flame grilled some, at Los Pueblos uh, Hermanos. You're, you're not making it any better. I'm getting hungrier every time you say something. So uh, flame grilled. Yeah, exactly. Uh, or perhaps uh, with, uh, with the right uh, antacid or after uh, medicine, you could just eat whatever you wanted. Uh, and if you had a problem at the restaurant, uh, well, the manager could bring you right back. So it would be fine. Yeah, he can help you right out. All right, Antonio, uh, what's the first uh, feedback question you want to jump into? Let's get into this one from Hunter Scholl. We'll start with some Jimmy feedback because I think it naturally flows from the discussion we were having about the next steps for this show. Hunter says, we spent so much time talking about how Jimmy goes down the dark path and becomes Saul, but I also think Better Call Saul itself will ultimately be about the redemption of Saul Goodman. Like when it's over, we might say... He wasn't such a bad guy after all. What do you think about this? To me, this finale puts him in a really positive light. What do you think about that, Rob? Is the logical endpoint for this show, or can you see a natural endpoint being that we end up uh, with a redemption story of Jimmy McGill? Well, I do think that that is the possibility for the Gene timeline. So they could make Saul Goodman uh, as bad as they want to in the lead up to Breaking Bad, but they do have this option to bring in Gene and have Gene sort of have the realization that, you know, uh, what a fool I've been, how I made all this money and I squandered it and I spent it on all sorts of evil enterprise. And there's the possibility if Kim is alive in the Gene timeline, could he ultimately have that redemption arc? I, I think that that's very much on the table. So, yeah, Mary Stallworth asked in a related question, what's a logical endpoint for this show? Do you think that's a logical endpoint for the show rather than just being on the table? It seems like that they really do love the Jimmy McGill character. And I feel like that it's been hard for the show to get him to go full Saul Goodman because, you know, he's such a heel in Breaking Bad. I, I do feel like that it's more likely than not that we end up with some sort of a redemption for Gene. Otherwise, what's the point of showing Gene? Just to, like we showed him the one time, but that the fact that we keep going back to him, that I feel like that we are being set up to ultimately have there be some sort of redeeming quality. Yeah, I think so, too. And one of the things a lot of uh, creators on this show and, the, and especially the show, but other shows as well, talk about is as they're writing the show, they sort of figure out the stories that they want to tell with the characters based on what the actors are giving them, the performances that they're seeing from the actors. They're not going to square peg and round hole if Bob Odenkirk is bringing a lot of humanity to the role of Jimmy McGill. And he really is good at generating that pathos and those kind of positive or uh, really connecting emotions. Then I don't think you can end it on a note where he's just a negative, terrible person. And they do have a very natural way to bring the Jimmy McGill back. If they go into to Saul Goodman and they put him in a bad place to bring Jimmy McGill and the goodness of Jimmy McGill back out, they can use the Gene character to do that. And that seems very logical to me. I think you're right. It does seem like they really like telling this story about Jimmy McGill having heart. And you can take that away from him. It, it seems like we have a very natural inciting incident, if you will, with what happened with Chuck that could push him over the edge into a really dark place. But it also seems like maybe the events of Breaking Bad take a toll on Gene, such that we see him at the beginning of the season passing out on the floor, and he's out of it. And that's after the incident with the shoplifter, where he sold, he sold the guy out and then feels bad about it. 
So we still see those elements of Jimmy McGill in Gene himself, and I really do think that uh, that we could see the G- the Jimmy McGill coming back to the surface, and there is the opportunity to redeem that character. I think we've talked about that a little bit. Would that be the happy ending for Breaking Bad, since we haven't really seen a happy ending generated from that universe? I think it certainly could be. Do you think it's possible that it could happen without Kim being involved? Like if Kim somehow gets taken off the board during the, you know, uh, Jimmy McGill era of the show, could it possibly happen without Kim being involved? Yeah, that's a good question. And I think that Kim is the natural way to fix that, to bring uh, to bring Jimmy back. And it could happen without Kim, but I think it would be, uh, well, certainly the bow would be Kim. And we saw Jimmy as Gene in the beginning of the season carrying around that Kansas City Royals lunchbox. We know we saw Kim in season two wearing the Kansas City Royals blue t-shirt prominently. And so that seems to be something she associates with the area where she's from. We've also pointed out that by being where he is in Nebraska uh, as Gene, that that is close to where Kim says she's from, that, that it's, it's in her general area of the country where she's from. So there is maybe a more natural connection there. Uh, maybe he listed Kim as his emergency contact. Do we, we we have all often said that Kim is not in the Breaking Bad universe, so maybe she dies. But it's also possible that things, because of what happened with Chuck or something else, caused Jimmy and Kim to really just go out of each other's lives. And it isn't until the Gene timeline that she comes back and that we do have that redemptive arc. So I, I wouldn't mind seeing that. Uh, that would certainly be be something. But I think Jimmy has to leave Jimmy behind for a time in order to bring that back into the mix. And that leads me to this question from Jack May. Jack says, is there a chance we see Jimmy needing to assume the identity of Saul Goodman after he is forced to relocate after he gets disbarred and loses everything important to him? And I guess the this idea flows, Rob, from the idea or from the fact that maybe Jimmy will get in trouble from interfering with the Sandpiper settlement, that his role there might put him in that position. I don't see that. I, I don't see that Jimmy, I, I don't think it's possible that you can get disbarred as Jimmy McGill. Just change your name to Saul Goodman and That's get not- how it works. I don't think that's how it works. I mean, you, you would assume that lawyers who get this barred are the type of people that might try to pull that uh, angle. Uh, so I'm sure they've closed that loophole. That's not something they teach you in law school. But it's possible that he completely assumes a new identity, although Jimmy McGill and Saul Goodman look exactly alike. So I don't see the likelihood of that. But there is going to be something that pushes Jimmy and Kim away from each other. That seems more likely to me. I think it'll be the Chuck thing. Do you think that this is the incident with Chuck that will lead to the ultimate uh, separation of Jimmy and Kim? I mean, I just feel like that Kim will be the voice of reason here. I mean, if Chuck ultimately does off himself... I think that they can sort of walk away with it and say, you know, that he was mentally unstable and he ultimately he was on this collision course with this. Did they uh, acerbate it with making uh, this whole court case? It's possible, but. I, I don't think that that's ultimately how they're going to like they'll they're, that Jimmy and Kim collectively will blame themselves for what happened to Chuck. 
Well, it is interesting because we think of think of Kim's incident that occurred at the penultimate episode of this season, and then that she's wearing the uh, the very real scars from in this finale. And her observation is, "I could have killed someone." And Jimmy's observation is, "Yeah, you could have killed yourself." And that's them talking about how what the position that ultimately Jimmy will probably blame himself for Kim pushing so hard uh, would lead to Kim's death. Uh, that was the concern that Jimmy had, and that seems to be the wake up moment where. Jimmy stops putzing around with all of the cons to try to keep the law practice going, and he's really ready to shut, close up shop and let it go. And Kim herself, rather than continue to push, is ready to go full Netflix and chill mode. Mm-hmm. So that incident alone caused great upheaval in their lives, and it did cause them to recenter and refocus. It does seem to me like this Chuck thing happening is not going to not have an impact on them. It seems to me like it would be more likely that this is something that they're going to wear on their their own sleeves pretty heavily. Uh, We saw throughout this season when Kim was talking to Paige and had that big blow up with Paige from Mesa Verde about the bank numbers in Utah. It was because Kim was carrying around a lot of guilt over what she felt they did to what she called a sick old man. And that was guilt that she was carrying around in the middle of the season over Chuck McGill. So I think it's it's really unlikely that she won't feel partially responsible. The interesting thing to me, and I think we talked about this in the finale, is I think Howard will probably blame himself to an extent for everything that happened there. I think that Jimmy will blame himself for everything that happened, or maybe he won't, uh, and he'll just be in denial and bitter about it. But I think Kim's going to blame Jimmy to an extent. I think Kim's going to blame herself to an extent. I think when an incident like that happens the people that are left around the 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 person who kills themselves start searching for answers and the easy place they're going to look is right in the mirror and i do think that that's going to cause a problem for jimmy and kim i don't know that this is the incident that's going to push them farther apart uh, it, it certainly seems like we saw it creating tension for them throughout the season before chuck even killed himself so it seems very possible that it's going to get worse before it gets better in that front. John Rumsey asked a related question. I'm wondering if you think Jimmy and Kim, after a time jump, could open a criminal law practice together. Uh, for me, that seems less likely. What about for you? Does that seem? Do you think we could just time jump away from the uh, the Chuck death and end up uh, starting this next season nine months later, and Jimmy and Kim are ramping up a legal practice again? I think that we could see a time jump, but I don't think that they would just brush over what was going on. Or, or like I could see some scenario where we see them finding out about Chuck's death and then we get some sort of like nine months later. But the idea that they would just jump back into a law practice, I feel like that the issue with Kim that we saw her, I, I think that she might be questioning whether or not her heart is in being a lawyer at this point it feels like that that needs to be reconciled also it does you're right she is talking about how listen i got into the law to make a difference and i ended up helping a like a regional bank become a mid-sized regional bank or whatever she says and we talked about how i think a lot of lawyers struggle with this and how i'm i'm not personally doing what i was originally doing as a lawyer for that reason and this is something that wears on a lot of people uh it's because you go to law school when you're younger and you're you're idealistic and the reality of the world sets in around you and it becomes a lot more difficult to carry that through and it's certainly not uh not it doesn't sound like this is why kim went to law school so i do think there's going to be some soul searching that goes on with kim uh what about this question rob from lisa g related to kim's soul searching 
Lisa says, uh, love the podcast. To me, it sounded obvious that Kim is developing an addiction to painkillers aided <laughs> and abetted by feeling guilty about potentially killing other people. A few supporting things in the episode. The comment over breakfast that she always wants the heavy pill uh, that she's asked if she wants like the light stuff or the hard stuff. Uh, right. She says uh, she wants to give me the heavy stuff. She spaced out while talking to her secretary while they're sitting on the couch, and I assume that was the pill haze. She went to Blockbuster. She wants <laughs> snacks and wants to chill like a stoner. And then a total change in personality and motivation. Yeah, so maybe it's the pills, Rob. It's the pills that made me do it. Uh, yeah, maybe this is maybe Kim is going to slip into some other negative era. It wouldn't be unheard of for a lawyer to develop substance abuse issues. It's a profession because of the stress that is absolutely fraught with those. And again, that could be a situation where rather than an overt direct way uh, that Kimmy, uh, Kim and Jimmy are pushing each other away, that this could be something more subtle, that she developed this addiction or she developed this uh, this condition as a result of everything that happened and that the Chuck thing's only going to exacerbate that. And rather than have a Jimmy and Kim just fighting or a lot of resentment boiling up, that there might be actual uh, actual storyline they're going to go into with Kim here about this. Do you think the, the likelihood of this is anywhere on the meter? What are we rating this, Rob? Is this a bell or no bell? Um, uh, that uh, It's a binary <laughs> thing. I, I'd give it half a bell. I'd give it half like a, a bell. Like a soft half tap. Bell. <laughs> Uh, I think that Lisa could be onto something here. Yeah, I, it's a. This is. I like the idea because I know that that's something that's pretty prevalent in the legal industry for a fact. I mean, I, I know that that's something that a lot of lawyers struggle with. They give you extensive training. You have to, as mandated by your state bar, uh, every uh, so often go through training that that includes some information about this sort of thing. So it is entirely possible that that's a story they could tell. We have not seen that through Chuck. We have not seen that through Howard. We haven't seen it through Jimmy. Kim is a person as a lawyer who pushes herself to the core. Uh, it seems very natural that that could be something that would happen. Uh, and I, I just don't know. We have to look at these things that they're including in the finale as possibilities for things they may be setting up going into the next season on an, and on that realm. With this question from Travis Casey, Travis also noticed something. Travis said, what was going on with Kim digging the Rolodex of old folkies out of the trash? Jimmy seemed convinced that no elderly person would ever work with him again. But Kim says, you never know. Could this be Chekhov's geezer decks? Are they setting up a future con using these names and addresses in some way? It seems improbable that Jimmy will have anything to do with it. Maybe Kim would use them for something. But we have already seen Jimmy manipulating old people five plus times in this show. Rob, what's up with the Rolodex? Is this uh, something we need to plant a flag on in future seasons here? Well, if Kim has some addiction to pills, old people have a lot of medicine. <laughs> that's a good point. Think about uh, it. That's a very good point. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's a great point, Wandering Bear. Uh yeah, that could be that could be that could be something for sure. Uh I don't know. I don't know. The it is odd because it, Jimmy seems to have burned a bridge with the elder community, uh, but digging that Rolodex out of the trash doesn't seem to have happened for nothing. Uh, there's going to be some value in that thing, and I think it's just a matter of what, uh, how will that pay off. Uh, maybe, maybe they'll go to war over these old people. Maybe one of them will play a key part. Maybe Kim will just start raiding their, uh, their medicine cabinets. Uh, it's hard to <laughs> no, say. No, I, I can't think of a good reason. I, I just wonder if it's more of a, like, hey, like, don't uh, close that door, but... 
I don't know if it's necessarily going to be something that ends up being another real fruitful path for the show to go down. Yeah, I'm not sure why they rescued that. It could just be to give themselves the option of bringing it back later, and it might not be something we see. But keep in mind, Breaking Bad itself, uh, quite famous for not uh, leaving any loopholes uh, unclosed. Uh, there are, except for maybe Huel in the uh, in the hotel room, we uh, we close the loop on just about everything. We have multiple seasons. That's what of the Wake. Gene timeline is for. Yeah, so Gene's going to dig out the Rolodex uh, from his closet and start calling these old people, and they're all going to be dead. Well, He's at least, be evaluating. you know, checking on Huel. Yeah, or just checking on Huel. Good point. Yeah, so I don't know. Skinny Huel. Uh, I don't know. Any... <laughs> Yes, uh, Huel uh, is probably avoiding Cinnabons these days, uh, He's uh, or at least uh, at least the actor may be. So I don't know. I like the idea. I read this on Reddit at some point that uh, we saw Skinny Huel uh, in, in the Better Call Saul universe, which is a prequel to Breaking Bad, where Huel, the actor, the actor who plays Huel, is much larger. And so maybe the Better Call Saul story of Huel is going to be something horrible happening to this guy while he gradually puts on weight to get into the Breaking Bad universe. Uh, so I'm, I'm a little concerned about what we might actually see out of Huel on this story uh but but yeah i don't know where the rolodex would tie in with that that's funny uh speaking of funny uh th- this question from kevin k kevin said i couldn't help but notice in the blockbuster scene uh the noted center and colorful placement of the underrated comedic masterpiece beverly hills ninja is there some hidden message for placing the great white ninja so prominently in view what do you think rob uh, do we have a chris farley tie-in somehow here well i mean if we're gonna start to have some sort of oh boy. Uh, Use of substances. I, knew, I, I mean, that's where you're yeah, going. I mean, that, I mean, that's the obvious one now. Oh, man. Uh, yeah, it's also possible that was just a easy to get cleared. I listened to the Better Call Saul Insider podcast uh, this week or after the finale, and they talked about how hard it was to replicate an actual blockbuster because for every actor's face that you see on any cover on any of those movies, they have to pay royalties. For everything that's a copyrighted image on any of those film covers, they have to pay royalties. And the easy way out of that is just to use stuff that's in the public domain at this point that they wouldn't have to pay for. But then it's just one section that blockbuster is just full of nothing but old movies uh, and they didn't feel it would be realistic so they had to find a way to get certain things cleared it could just be that's something that the the companies that are involved in making the show don't have to pay for but i like the idea that we're, we're tying all of this into the substance abuse issues the rolodex the beverly hills ninja uh we're just going to see i mean this is a breaking bad is a show about drug addicts rob uh and the drug trade so maybe this is a way to get kim maybe kim could uh, start hooking up with a price uh the guy who can get oh. you pills at a moment's notice. Oh, yeah. That's a good way to keep him in the mix. Yeah, Kim's a baseball fan. She likes the Kansas City Royals. Uh, maybe he's got some uh, George Brett rookie cards that uh, that could be traded. Uh, so that would be... I don't I don't, I don't. don't want to think about this. This is a road that I'm not even enjoying yeah. going down. So this is dark. Therein lies darkness, Rob. Yeah. Uh, do you feel like that we should have seen like a 12-year-old Jesse Pinkman at Blockbuster? Uh, that, that's, I, there's going to be a way like Aaron Paul is not, he's got the path on Hulu and he's, he's done movies, but I, I think it's more likely more of the path. I think they're still making the path. Yeah, they made a season two. Uh, so I think we could get into a season three. I think that's probably going to happen. But I think it's more likely we see uh, Aaron Paul on Better Call Saul rather than we see Walter White. I think that we could see a Brian Cranston cameo where somebody goes to a car wash and uh, the mustached uh, Tidy Whitey's version of Walter White is there working in the car wash. But it seems more likely we could actually get into some criminal stuff with Jesse Pinkman. Jesse is the one, remember, 
who recommends Saul Goodman. He's the he's the one who identifies Saul Goodman. So I think it's more likely we would see Jesse in the story than not. Yeah, but um, he's like fourteen. So, He's like 14, but I, I feel like, again, we, we are probably heading to a point where unless we're going to show Better Call Saul for another seven seasons, we're going to have a time jump at some point. And Aaron and Paul's got to be what, 40? Yeah, but I, I think that guy is going to be playing a teenager or a young man his whole life. He's a, he's a little guy and he can play young. So I think, we can, I think we can tie that back in. I think we can find a way to get Pinkman into this story if we want it. I don't know a, how big of a storyline, uh, but he can have, I think he can, he can have a role in the show. I, personally, is that something you want? Do you want to see any other? Like, I think we're doing, I, I want to see Bill Burr as Kubi. Like, I want to see minor characters pop up in the way that we saw Huel come into this season. But do we really want to see the major characters? Skyler, Walter, uh, Hank, uh, Jesse. Is is that something you think? I mean, we could see Hank coming into the story via Crazy 8, who we know is working with the government at some point. So that could happen. I think that we do get Brian Cranston on in like the final season in like a like 30 second cameo. The other way that we're not really talking about is if we do go full into the Gene storyline at some point, we could see Jesse Pinkman in that storyline. I know that's something that a lot of people have talked about. We've had uh, comments about that throughout the season. Is that something you think we could see if we delve more into the Gene storyline since Jesse ostensibly did uh, make it out of Breaking Bad? I'd like to pretend that Jesse has nothing to do with Saul Goodman after the Breaking Bad timeline. Yeah, me too. And I think the Gene story is better told as a localized story, especially with someone like Kim in the story, where there may be some basic redemption, but we don't really expand on where Breaking Bad ended. I would prefer to see that than not see that. Uh, But we could, I mean, so many people are gone after Breaking Bad. Jesse's one of the only ones who isn't. And it would be really foolish for Jesse to somehow end up in Nebraska with Saul Goodman. That just doesn't seem very likely to me. Not ideal. yeah, not ideal. Not the way you want to escape. So uh, maybe uh, Gene has a perfect box full of videotapes uh, mm-hmm. and whatnot that Jesse's interested in. Perfect boxes always matter to him. So that could be something. But uh, there are a few characters we could bring into the story, into the Gene story. But what about this, Rob? Let's shift gears a little bit. Is Chuck really gone? This is from Steve Morris, uh, from Chicken Morris. Uh, uh, Steve says, uh, is Chuck actually dead? Uh, do Are we buying that this was the end for Chuck McGill? You know, I definitely was as of the night that we watched it. I feel like that the uh, door is still open. We also got another uh, email from uh, Jim Duchene who says, uh, somehow I don't believe Chuck is brave enough to just sit there and let himself burn to death. I mean, uh, suicide by fire is, uh, I mean, I I have not heard uh, much about this. No, uh, and uh, an unconventional is, way to say the least. Yeah, it's like, uh, yeah, it, it really is one of those very difficult. Uh, it, it's not even bravery. It's just like, how could you put yourself in that position? Self-immolate. I have heard of self-immolation, obviously, to prove a point. Vietnam War protesting monks and things like that. But this is uh, this is very different. And we talked about how with kicking the lantern off of the desk the way that he did, that it read more like a suicide in that regard. But it also read like something that maybe wouldn't seem like suicide when it was discussed. 
And so, and it would also maybe cover up the evidence of Chuck's mania if the house were to really burn up pretty good. And that is something that I still find persuasive in terms of Chuck actually going through with it, the way it was staged. It wasn't that uh, Chuck started a fire in another room in his house and then quietly sat in his chair waiting for the fire to engulf him. He started the fire right in front of him in a room full of things that would immediately burn up. And he was not, uh, he wasn't, he wasn't with it, Rob, like he was out of it. And so I think bravery or not, I think he's uh, he's detached enough from reality that he could go through with it. I am not a fan of the show pulling back this curtain. But what about a horribly disfigured Chuck? What about a Chuck who never is able to speak again? Uh, the Ted Beneke uh, Breaking Bad kind of story where you think someone's dead and then you realize oh, they're just seriously, seriously wounded. Would that be a Chuck McGill that could be in the story? Is he going to share a hospital room with Hector? <laughs> that would be uh, that'd be interesting, wouldn't it? Like uh, find some way to bring the two of those they end stories up becoming together. Like best friends in the hospital. Yeah, but uh, the odd, the oddest of odd couples. That would be fantastic. One will only communicate with a bell, and if Chuck is burned up and can't speak, he'll have to use a very similar way of doing it. Uh, yeah, that could be that could, that could no, be bell buttons, I don't, Rob. I don't think that that is uh, a possibility. <laughs> I, I don't think that we'll go through. I, I, and again, for the reason that we already are going to be getting that with Hector, where he ends up, uh, where he is uh, not disfigured, but he is uh, in a um, definitely impaired state so i don't think that that's ultimately what's going to happen the thing that i just can't shake is that they ended up having the suicide hotline number come up at the end of the episode which makes me feel like that the show took this seriously yeah, I, I agree. Like they they have to give it the the, th- the the seriousness that they 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 have already really set up. So I don't think a dumpster uh, bailout is in order. I think I think this is it for Chuck. And I'm far more interested in the fallout from that than I am uh, keeping. Even though Michael McKean is phenomenal on this show, keeping Michael McKean in this story uh, and continuing that that would be a very um, that would be a very a move very much in keeping with how they've uh, fits and starts moved. Jimmy McGill into Saul Goodman, but I I think we need to we need to take Chuck off the board, and this is an incident that will impact the story in a significant way. So I'm much more interested in that. Uh, speaking of Chuck, uh, a couple more questions uh, and feedback questions along that along those lines. Hunter Scholl wanted to know to what degree do you guys think Chuck knew his sickness was all in his head? Did he knowingly retreat from the real world after it went so bad with Hamlin? So what level of, of Chuck's sickness do you think Rob was something that he was manipulating or in control of and how much of it was pure mania? Well, I think that it was all made up in his head. I don't think that there was an actual condition that he had, but I think that he was coming to grips with the fact that he was dealing with this, but there was not necessarily like a rational cause for it. And there probably was not going to be a cure no matter what he was going to try to do. And he really tried to immerse himself into being cured. Nothing that he was able to do was going to fix him. And I think he might have been sort of just coming to terms with the finality of this situation that he was in. Yeah, it is. Uh, it's fascinating because there was a lot going on with Chuck, obviously, uh, and not just whether it was in his head or not, but we can talk about triggers and everything that happened with Jimmy was a was a major issue. We saw that really come to a head in chicanery 
where Chuck blows up in the in the trial uh, and it has those great moments there. And that then we saw the fall, the fallout from that and the fallout and the spiral from that ultimately did lead him to have a fallout with Howard. We had a great comment from Peter Semitis who said, to me, Howard is the brother Chuck always wanted, a respectable lawman who Chuck groomed and worked alongside for 20 years to build HHM. As a big brother figure, Chuck helped Howard to become who he is professionally. Despite Chuck's recent selfishness, Howard stayed extremely loyal and acted as a good brother to Chuck. In the finale, for Howard to buy Chuck out of the firm, it must have been extremely painful for Chuck, a huge blow to his heart, not just his mind. And uh, Peter goes on to point out when Jimmy moved to the Southwest and interjected himself into Chuck's new life, that's the catalyst that started Chuck's downfall. Chuck casting Jimmy aside is exactly what Chuck himself experienced with Howard and HHM. Through Jimmy, Chuck is spreading his pain. We all have moments of lashing out after feelings, uh, having feelings of uh, being crushed. And I would love for Chuck to survive the fire and speak with Jimmy about this after some retrospection, but that's not the story of Better Call Saul. I think that's really, I think Peter nails that on the head, that there are all these complicated feelings for Chuck, uh, and they probably could have found common ground, Chuck and Jimmy, if they would have really sat there and talked it out. Uh, But Chuck really tried to put on the brave face for Jimmy. He tried to represent himself as cured when Jimmy shows up at the house. The music is playing, the lights are on, uh, but that fallout and Jimmy detaching from himself and Chuck saying, I never really cared about you all that much. And all of that, you never really mattered to me. I think that that is, uh, it's a lie. And I think that it is a lie that we see playing out, as Peter observes, in the treatment uh, that Chuck gets from Howard and vice versa. There's a very uh, clear triangle there, or there are some very clear parallels that Peter does a good job of drawing. And I think more than just something being in Chuck's head, I think there there was a confluence of factors that certainly exacerbated his condition and put him in this position. Do you think, Rob, that Howard's going to blame himself for this as a result more than he blames Jimmy? Um, I don't know if Howard is going to blame Jimmy for it. I, I, I think that Howard is just going to feel like, well, you know, he wanted he wanted Chuck gone one way or another, and, and I just can't help but feel like that Howard's going to feel like, okay, well, at least this burden is off my shoulders. I mean, don't forget, Howard is going to that again. I don't know if that three million dollar check was ever you know cashed. Uh, I suspect not. He uh, really it was the first of three payments too, right? I mean, didn't yes. Howard uh, save at least six million dollars by Chuck deciding to do this? It's a good observation, and we don't know. We don't know ultimately how this is going to play out. If Chuck left a will, who was the beneficiary of the will? Is it Rebecca? Is it Jimmy? Uh, is that a will that predated Chuck's going into his condition? Did Chuck write a new will while he was mentally ill, and therefore will that new will be challenged as not being the product of Chuck's sound mind? It, those are open questions that I think the show could really spend some time answering. We could see a really nasty probate on Chuck's estate, Rob, uh, that could lead to a battle. Because uh, if nine million's out there floating around, if if Jimmy's the beneficiary, I don't know that he's going to let Howard slide on some of that. Uh, it will be fascinating to see to what extent that's a political football. I do think, though, that Howard will blame himself to an extent. I think that uh, everything Patrick Fabian did with Howard uh, this season was really fantastic. Um, Howard was a character who has just such a punchable nature from the beginning <laughs> of the show. He doesn't have a punchable face. 
Yeah, it's a punchable face, a punchable manner, like all of it. And yet, by the end of this season, I felt like he was one of the more sympathetic characters. Like, I totally understood how he was trying to do everything he could in a nice, kind way to help Chuck. And Chuck really pushed that away. And when Howard, Howard took that as a personal insult, and he responded in a way that Jimmy didn't. He responded in a businesslike, professional way. And I don't know to what extent, then, Howard is going to blame himself or, like you're saying i uh, just say hey from a business standpoint uh, this benefits me greatly so it's it's fascinating to see how this is going to play out uh, i think there's a lot of mileage to be gained out of this which is yet again more reason why i feel like it, it makes sense for chuck to be dead uh anything else you want to talk about about chuck or do we want to hit a, a few of these remaining questions about uh, gus and nacho and everything else that we've got yeah, let's talk about uh the uh gus side of things Okay, so this is from Laura Olson. Laura said, thinking back to your show and the comments about Gus and Hector and whether or not this is what makes Hector unable to speak and in the wheelchair as we see him in Breaking Bad. Well, I wondered if that were the case, why would Gus still carry around anger at Hector in Breaking Bad enough that we would know about it? I mean, he said to Mike, death would be too good for him. Well, this is the ultimate revenge, right? So wouldn't Gus be happy he'd won and gotten just what he wanted? Is that uh, is Rob? If if we accept that that Hector is in the wheelchair now and he's suffering and can't talk as a result of what happened, is that going to be? Shouldn't that be enough for Gus? Or is Gus is, is this not enough at all? Antonio, that's the thing about the revenge game. Once you start, it's never enough. Uh, revenge is like Pringles, uh, they say. Uh, once <laughs> I you have pop, <laughs> you can't stop, and uh, you just keep wanting more and more uh, revenge. It's a zero sum game. Is that why Susan Partridge asked, why would Gus save Hector? Is that, do you think that's why? Because he just wants to keep him alive to continue to torture him later? Yeah, I mean, that's what my read on it was. Did you feel differently about it? Well, the only thing I would say is that Gus may have tried to save Hector in order to save face with the cartel. Like, look, I didn't let the guy just die in front of me. I am your loyal partner to the end, and it wasn't my beef with this guy. Uh, I put that aside and tried to save him. By doing that, Gus looks like a like a hero who was on board with what the team wanted to do, the team being Don Eladio and Juan Folsa, uh, and we see from the cartel. So that's the only thing I thought is that it would be a bad look for Gus if Hector were to die right in front of him and Gus does nothing to try to save him. It would be a bad look from a business standpoint. So that's the only other thing I thought. But if it's an act of God, I mean uh, what could they really do to like, like, Gustavo we know you know CPR. Why didn't you try to resuscitate Don Hector? Yeah, they could say, like, why didn't you try to intercede? Did you try to save him? Did you just let him die right in front of you? It's the Walt and Jane scenario Mm -hmm. from Breaking Bad. Like, Gus is in a position to keep Hector alive or to just let him expire in front of him. And if he chooses the latter, there are going to be some questions uh, that he has to answer for that action. So that's the only other thing I thought. I wasn't sure. It's hard to tell sometimes what's in Gus Ring's mind, and I like your reasoning better. That Even if it is that he wanted to save face with the cartel, the added bonus of that is he gets to keep the guy alive and just do what we know Gus was doing in Breaking Bad, which is show up at his uh, metal, like show up at his convalescent home and just torture him. Just say like, hey, your family is dead. All these people are dead. You're going to just rot in here and really dig the knife in over and over, which we saw Gus doing and ultimately, which we saw being Gus's Achilles heel. So I do think that that is um, that's possible that this is one of those like, hey, uh, I benefit from the cartel standpoint by keeping him alive and I get to keep this guy alive to 
continue to torture him. If a bullet to the head's too good for him, certainly death would seem to be as well. But it is confusing. Speaking of confusing, Tammy in Texas said, I'm confused about what Nacho was trying to do. Was he going to kill Hector and leave or kill him, then tell the other guys he found him like that? Seems like it was playing it a little fast and loose for someone who's usually pretty careful. What about that, Rob? Was this uh, did this was, was this an odd move by Nacho for you? You know what? That I don't remember exactly how he handled it. Uh, was he just like uh, frozen up? Like ah, I don't know what to do. It's a uh, it's a good question. Like I, the thing that the thing is, there was a pendency with what was happening because I felt like after how things didn't go well between Gus's or between Nacho's dad and Hector, and Hector left saying I don't trust him. Like it's just a matter of time at that point. So if you're Nacho, it's like. I tried to get my dad to play ball. He didn't play ball. It went poorly. I'm going to have to take Hector off the board sooner than waiting for the pills to do it just because there's just no better way for this to play out. It's Hector or my dad, and I'm not going to let my dad go down because of something I did. So I think that's the other reason. The other thing I would say, and Tammy says Nacho's usually pretty careful. When we first meet Nacho, he is a suspect. Uh, when we second meet Nacho, he is a suspect. Uh, in the Kettleman's disappearance because he left a dirty van with blood from another crime. It was spotted in front of their house multiple times. He was very, very, very sloppy about that. And so this is not a guy we've... It's not great. Not a great look. Not great, Bob. Like, not a great look. So I think this is not a guy we've always seen being careful. We've seen impetuous, uh, impetuous actions from Nacho in the past, and he's had every reason to be impetuous here. So I think that would probably be why. Uh, what about Gus and Nacho, though, Rob? John Remus wanted to know, what's the deal with Gus and Nacho? Um, I think that, they, you know, we they've had that moment that we've talked about at Los Pueblos Hermanos earlier this season. And they had that look where Gus was like, uh, I know what you're up to now. If Gus's plan is to, I need to keep Hector Salamanca alive at all costs so I could torture him. Then maybe a Gus who it looked like that him and Nacho were going to be allies to be on the same page. Then you would feel like that maybe he would want to take him out and say that, you know, I can't trust this Nacho guy. So maybe either you have Mike getting back in of like, uh, Mike, I need you to take this guy under your wing uh, and uh, keep an eye on him for me. Maybe that ends up being something for Mike to do in season four because we're really stuck on something for Mike. Do you think uh, Mike would like uh, having a charge like Nacho to take under his wing? Is that something Mike would take on with aplomb, uh, Rob? Uh, the only babysitting I do is with Kaylee, not Nacho. <laughs> I don't know. Nacho might like watching old movies on TV with Mike. I think that might be something that's fun. Uh, maybe it would get in the way of Mike and Anita, though. You don't want a third wheel in that no, relationship. No, you don't want a third wheel. But you never know. Yeah. You know, uh, Mike uh, is a bro. Uh, depends uh, if Nacho. Do you like pimento loaf? You want to go get a sandwich? <laughs> can you make nachos with pimento? Is that something you can do? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, pimento nachos. This is good. Yeah, it is interesting. People, we, we have just, and this is our final couple questions here, uh, which is a natural conclusion to what we're talking about with Nacho. 
in Breaking Bad, when Walt and Jesse take Saul out into the desert, uh, when they're really kind of threatening him, trying to get information out of him, they've got bags over their heads. Saul is begging for his life, and he's saying, who sent you? And he says, uh, and he's talking about, like, I didn't do it. It wasn't me. It was Ignacio. And we had questions from David Piquet and Dane Hager about this. Uh, David says, uh, David says, when Saul says that, he later asks if someone named Lalo sent them. And Dane observes the same thing. Uh, and and observes that he thinks it's Lalo's guys who are taking Saul out into the desert. We have not seen, Rob, a character named Lalo on Better Call Saul. Uh, is Assuming Hector's now in his wheelchair, David asks, could they introduce Lalo? Is this something we're going to see? If if we're bringing the, the, the storylines together and we know that Jimmy and Ignacio have some other thing where he feels like that, that justifies him saying that in the desert, is Lalo a character that we're going to see in season four? I mean, is there a Lalo Salamanca? That's an interesting observation. It, the name really rolls off the tongue, doesn't it? Lalo Salamanca. Yeah, yeah. Does sound like a wasn't there a former baseball catcher named Lalo Salamanca? <laughs> I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> no, I don't know. Uh, yeah, that uh, that's a good observation. Could be a Salamanca, and I think we know from Gus as we just talked about that at some point the Salamanca name is off the board. So if there is a Lalo Salamanca, I would not expect Lalo Salamanca to last very long. Yeah, that's interesting. I hope that that is uh, something that they uncover. You know, because I think that we. Might- might have uh, in the, at least early on the Ignacio Nacho maybe thought it was a coincidence, but it certainly is something that they could have picked up, and that's that you know intended to be the same person. Do you feel like it's intended to be Nacho? At this point, I don't know why it wouldn't be. I don't. I, I don't know. I mean, Ignacio and Nacho. It seems like a, 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 a nickname. I think there has been there has been some connection there that's been made uh, with producers and things like that. So it seems very possible that it's the same character at this point. But I also think, if you'll recall, where we left Jimmy and Nacho uh, was that Nacho sort of blamed Jimmy for getting him uh, racked up uh, and getting him put into the bad position that he was in because Nacho was going to close in on the Kettleman's and Jimmy told the Kettleman's uh, to hoof it. Like Jimmy called up and used the weird sex robot voice, if you'll recall, all the way back to season one with the uh, the dun-da-da with the paper towel tube and basically said like, you guys need to go away. And th- it was the Kettleman's going on the run that put the police on to Nacho because Nacho had been seen in their neighborhood. Nacho very much blamed Jimmy for that and he said something to the extent of like, this isn't finished. Like, this is going to come back on you. So it's possible that we already saw the incident that Jimmy would be worried about with Nacho. But it seems more likely that we'll bring those characters back together. And where Lalo comes into this storyline, once we get Jimmy McGill as a criminal lawyer, that's a story they're going to easily tell, I think, with a criminal uh, criminal client of Jimmy's named Lalo and something's going to go sideways and Jimmy's going to feel like uh, that Lalo's people are the ones who sent them, who sent him uh, out to the desert. So it seems more likely that it's it's related to that. Uh, anything else, Rob, uh, about Nacho and Jimmy uh, or that you want to highlight for the next season? No, I just uh, think that the show really needs to uh, spend some time, uh, not to th- say that they won't, but uh, that the Mike story is in such flux right now of he's so, he had really Really nothing to do in season three. So if they're going to keep him as part of the show, I feel like that they really need to come up with something to give Mike for the fourth season. And he knows Nacho pretty well. It was Price saying it's it's Nacho Varga that brought Mike a, a cause for pause when he started thinking about it. We saw Mike 
meet with Nacho and talk about the plan to take Hector out. Nacho or Mike is a little bit of a loose end for Nacho in that regard, although I think Nacho trusts him. And the question is, does Nacho know that Mike works for Gus? And there is certainly a triangle there, right? Like Mike knows that Gus did not want Hector Salamanca killed. And before Mike really started working with Gus overtly with Madrigal and everything there with the money laundering, Mike met with Nacho and, and let that let it pass. Let Nacho go ahead and execute his plan the way Nacho was wanting to do it. So Mike sort of uh, let this happen. Uh, and he didn't let it happen against direct order from Gus, but Gus wouldn't let Mike do it. And so Gus, uh, Mike knows that that if, if this is a thing, Mike knows, Mike will know that if there's something bad that's happened to Hector that looks like a heart attack, it was actually Nacho that caused it. And having Mike's employer be suspicious of Nacho in some respect, it might not end well for Nacho. It might be a situation where we see Mike have to take Nacho off the board. Mm-hmm. And that's the concern that I would have. Now, does that sort of interrupt the canon of the show if that uh, Saul Goodman uh, thinks in uh, the season two of Breaking Bad that Nacho sent his guys? Not if uh, Saul Goodman doesn't know that Nacho has taken off the board. Like He could still be worried about that stuff from season one, uh, and there could be no other incident that would cause it. It could just be that loose end from season one that he's referring to there, as I said, and not the larger I mean, that's thing. a way uh, back loose end. It is a way back loose end, but I don't know about you, Rob, but if a uh, dangerous drug dealer threatened me, I'm not sure I would forget about it several oh, years wow. later. I'm pretty sure I'd still remember it. Antonio, you're just not threatened as much as I am. <laughs> well, listen, uh, I understand that you live in a house where you feel uh, threatened often. So uh, I'm not sure. Maybe you're just uh, more used to it than I am. Yeah. But I think I would remember it. I would remember it. Okay. All right. Yeah. Well, Any, anything else? Rob? No, I think we're in a good place to head into the Better Call Saul off season and see uh, when this show ultimately uh, comes back. It was a February kickoff uh, the previous two years. And then we got to April. I suspect April seems like the more likely landing spot for season four. It does seem like that. I know AMC's got Into the Badlands. I don't know what the status of that. They've got Preacher uh, as airing now. I don't know what the status of that would be going forward. They have a few other shows that are coming out that haven't premiered yet. Uh, one that I think uh, that recently premiered was The Sun uh, with Pierce Brosnan, and that was a Western. They're probably in a position where they'll they'll use Saul to bolster their programming schedule, uh, and so that will impact I think when it comes out more than anything, this, this seems like a show that once they got renewed, they're probably right back to work. I would imagine they're right back to work in the writer's room, mm-hmm. breaking the next season. So I think we're going to be in a, a pretty normal schedule, February, March, April, somewhere in there. Uh, and and we'll, we'll probably see a season four that starts right around the same time as this last one, maybe a little later, uh, depending on what else they've got going on. But this is a big show for them. And with Fear the Walking Dead and The Walking Dead, I think it's their one of their three biggest. I think that the show turns is ending yeah uh, they have they have the show uh, they have all these other shows that I think are coming to a point what about preacher Antonio? We did. Josh Wiggler and I just recorded a one-off podcast about Preacher. The first two episodes premiered this week. Uh, it is, I think, more in line with their other comic book shows, The, the Walking Dead and Fear the Walking Dead. But that show, if it, uh, 
if it is well-liked and the money's there, that show could go on for a long time. There's a lot of source material like The Walking Dead to draw from. It looks fun. Uh, that's a show. It looks, it is fun. It's a, it's a little bit, uh, it's a little bit gory. There, I'll say this about Preacher. In season one, which you can watch on Hulu, it's there the whole first season, the, uh, there are two or three episodes and two or three moments in those episodes that are unlike anything I've ever seen on television before. Just completely bonkers. It's a show that covers such a wide uh, gap of setting and even like uh, planes of existence, as Josh Wiggler put it, like there are, you can go to heaven, you can go to hell, you can go to the afterlife. There are a lot of different things in play with that show. It's a bonkers, bonkers show, Rob. So we had a lot of fun talking about Mm -hmm. it. Okay. Hey, Tony, do you have a hashtag for today? Oh, I'm trying to think of what what you said that made me laugh. What do you have on the board? Um, I'm trying to think of uh, if there was something with the uh, Beverly Hills Ninja. Yeah, Beverly. We had a pimento nachos. Uh, That was a possibility, I think. Let's go with pimento nachos, because if Mike can't be in season three uh, towards the end, at least he can be in our season three recap podcast. Yeah, we'll we'll put a hashtag on him. Thanks for that. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I, I know Mike is a big fan of social media and hashtags. That's uh, Jonathan Banks is all over that. Oh, I get to be on a podcast? Oh, whoopee. <laughs> Guess it's my lucky day. <laughs> he just wants to eat his sandwiches and listen to his baseball games, Rob. That's right. all he wants to do. Yeah, hang out with Anita. I, they, we'll figure out, Mike. I think Mike and Nacho and Gus is a good way to bring that together, and I'm excited to see how that plays okay. out. Uh, we'll see. Mike and Anita adopt a baby in season four. Oh boy, uh, yeah, th- that would be uh, that would be pretty scary. Uh, I don't know how that ends up. Like that would not be something I think. That what about though? Some people have speculated like her husband just disappeared. So is this somehow tied into the Gus Fring storyline? Uh, is 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 he a guy that got disappeared by somebody? Is Mike going to crack the case of Anita's missing husband? Is that something we'll see out of Mike? I think people have wondered about that. Boy, small world. <laughs> I, I would be surprised okay. if that was the case. I would too. It's just weird because we saw Anita introduced, but we never really saw a true coming together moment. It, all that her role in the story seemed to do so far was make Mike sympathetic to uh, what was happening with Price and Nacho and get him on board for helping them out. Uh, Mike did not like that people could just disappear. It, made her, it reminded him of the innocent bystander, the guardian angel that got killed by Hector for helping the driver of the truck that Mike robbed. Yeah. I, no, hope I, I think that you were right. I think that. you were right with that. I, I because I, I was wondering, yeah. like, what are we doing with this story? But then when uh, that's what caused Mike to go look for that guy, I think that maybe you, it's possible we don't even see Anita again. Yeah, that's what I'm wondering. So that would be sad for Mike. Uh, can't he get a break? Can't Mike catch a break with this? Can't we have a love interest for Mike? Why can't he have a nice time, Rob? Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, uh, good work as per usual, Antonio. You can follow Antonio on Twitter at AC Mazzaro, two Z's, one R. Be sure to check out Antonio and Josh Wiggler uh, talking about Preacher on Post Show Recaps. And uh, we've got much more coming up with uh, wrapping up the Fear the Walking Dead half season. Uh, only two episodes left, including a two hour finale. And then it's all Game of Thrones all the time coming up in July, almost, Antonio. 
I'm excited about the road to Westeros, Rob. I'm very excited. Yeah, and Josh and I will will record one final leftovers uh, wrap up podcast uh, this week. Actually, if you're listening to this, we've probably already recording it. Uh, so that should be up at uh, the end of this week, and we'll put a bow on the show that was the leftovers, Rob. No more leftovers. We're cleaning out the fridge, uh, and we're fin- we're finishing that off. But then then it is all Game of Thrones all the time. Okay. Thanks so much, everybody uh, who was listening along all season long. We greatly appreciate it. Take care, everybody. Have a good one. Bye.